Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of, why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So if you've made a movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a Japanese film franchise, remake it for an American audience, then forget about it for a couple years, and make it again? Why you get rings. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And this week, uh, I want to say that I have a treat for you, but I feel like no, I really don't. And, I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt, and it's just one of those films where, I don't know, I, I've talked to a couple people after I watched the movie, and... um. I woke up angry the next day, like, still pissed off that I even spent time watching this movie. Like, what the hell, man? Why would you do this? Like, why would you make this type of film with everything else that's out there? I mean, okay, so the original ring for the U.S. market uh, is actually, as many people probably know, and you listening to this podcast probably already know, but if you don't, it was a Japanese film franchise called Ringu, and... Basically, there are, you know, liberties taken for an American audience, of course, but for the most part, like, a lot of the stuff was somewhat similar. It's hard, because when you look at a Japanese ghost story, and then you try to translate that Japanese style of ghost story to an American audience, a lot of things get lost. What we view for ghosts is not necessarily what other, you know, cultures view for ghosts. So, it's one of those weird situations where... Honestly, like, and maybe because I saw one before the other, I actually kind of prefer the American version. I know blasphemy, I know, when it comes to all these things. But there was just something about the first ring that was so interesting and so brand new. And for me, I know, like, there are people that, of course, are not going to like it. They're not going to like every movie that you go out and see, okay? You gotta get used to that type of bullshit. But honestly, for me, the biggest, like, draw for the ring was... The fact that it didn't use a lot of cheap jump scares in the film. Like, everything was building up to a specific moment in time inside the film. 
So you had everything kind of glomming together, and there wasn't that release. When you see most horror movies nowadays, and most PG-13 horror movies, you have a point in which it's like, okay, well, eh, the tension's kind of building, then bah! Here's the fucking jump scare at you, and this releases you from that terror. And really, it's kind of planned, but the best horror movies nowadays don't give you that release when you need that release. Maybe they'll give it later on, maybe they'll show something that's very, very disturbing to you, and then all of a sudden, bam, you get another really disturbing scene that's jolting to your system. It's not necessarily the jump scare, but it's the horror that you have there. Where the original Ring, I just felt like it built up like over and over and over and over again and it never quite let you go and it was just that perfect horror movie of oh my god i'm feeling all this dread where the fuck is the jump scare where is the thing that's going to release me from this dread and it wasn't there until the last like 15 minutes of the movie and even then it wasn't really much of a jump scare it was a more like a sigh of release and then it brought you into another whole like twisty not like a Shyamalan type of twisty ending but twist at the end of it where things weren't the way they were so for you to understand this film rings (laughs) you do have to have seen I know I just can't it's so hard to like actually do this episode it's not even funny but uh you know I said that I do rings I'm not gonna like throw a different movie out there at the last possible minute but you do have to see uh, Ring and The Ring 2. Ring 2 to extent, but you at least need to have seen The Ring before. Because what we're going to explore in this film is a rehash of the original fucking movie. Now, you're going to say to yourself, no, th- th- that possibly can't be. But I'm going to tell you, yes. I feel that they looked at parts of The Ring 2, but nothing really major. Because The Ring 2 is a very odd film for an American audience because it was directed by the original Ring director so you get that like Japanese flair into it which makes it interesting but it's not the best of films it's not as good as the original honestly Um, where this one it follows a specific story in the Ring and if you don't know the story of it I'm going to go through it really really quick basically there's somebody that You start off with two little girls, well, two young girls, I should say. Little girls is not right. But two young girls, they're watching the tape. They they hear that if they watch it, you know, oh, in seven days, you know, you're going to get a phone call and then you're going to die in seven days. Well, you need a phone call right away. And then seven days later, after you get that phone call, you die. And if you watch the video. So one of the girls that happens to be involved in that is the daughter, or sorry, niece of the main character of the original film. And she basically ends up watching the tape as well. Her ex-boyfriend watches the tape. Her son watches the tape. And she's basically getting visions and ideas of where Samara is so that she can save her from wherever she's at because that's the reason why the ring is there. Then it turns out that the tape exists specifically for it to be copied and for her spirit to be passed along from person to person. Basically... Uh, so that everybody kind of knows who she is. But if you're unable to make a copy of the tape and make somebody else watch it, then you will die within that time frame. So that's the basis of The Ring, right? 
That's the ending. I've spoiled this movie for you. I did it in less than a couple minutes. Um, but there's a lot more that goes on in that film than just what I'm kind of saying. And I'm really paraphrasing. And I could be wrong about a couple little things, but fuck it. But that's the basic idea, right? So, in between The Ring and Ring 2, there's actually a small short film that's about 15 minutes long called Rings. And this one is no relation to that one. But basically... People find out about the tape, and they find out about how the tape itself needs to be copied and moved on. And this is the story that bridges the gap in between The Ring 2 and The Ring, uh, where there's somebody that they dare them to watch it, and he has to get somebody to watch it uh, within those seven days, or else he dies. And he tries to get somebody to watch it, and that's how it starts, the beginning of The Ring 2, right? where his friend, actually, she covers her eyes the entire time, so he dies, even though he's on the seventh day, right, within this whole thing. So, and it's really fucking strange, because some bitch is like, wants to see what will happen to somebody that doesn't quite make it, and it's fucking stupid, because there was somebody that was going to want, anyway, well, those people, they called themselves Rings, for that little short film. So, it's weird that we get this film rings that has no relation to it but it borrows actually a little more from that than it does the ring two that's the only part really of the ring two that it borrows from is the fact that there's a group of people that are actually watching the tape with that type of plan before it's up make a copy go through and and i'm getting ahead of myself here without actually getting into the movie but i i'm already like starting like the rant stuff that like oh fuck can't you just come up some original fucking ideas you pieces of shit uh but no and and it's not that it's obviously terrible Uh, it's just that i wanted something more from her see i was such a big fan of the ring and such a big uh some somewhat of a fan of ring too that when i heard oh my god they're gonna try to bring this back and then you find out they're trying to fucking franchise it instead of just doing a standalone movie i was actually kind of excited i really wanted to see this film in the theater i totally skipped when it came out and then i saw hey while i was looking up something in amazon prime oh hey rings is available on amazon prime i should totally fucking watch that because i wanted to oh better way let's do it with fresh eyes let's do it for the fucking podcast and then at the end of it i wake up fucking upset (laughs) and maybe i shouldn't be so angry right away about uh the fact that i am watching rings so um yeah it's it's one of those films where i really could just you know rant for (laughs) quite a bit before actually getting into any of this like fucking movie and it's it's just ridiculous that the fact that it it does what it does and it's really not apologetic about it i mean maybe we should just get into the film so the film opens up and and again it's true what somebody said a lot of things that are in the trailer of the film at least some of the trailers they're either not in the movie at all or they're at specific points in the movie like a certain other marvel movie i recently saw where there's something in the trailer that's only a fucking stinger so when it comes to this like there's a scene in the beginning of the or in part of the trailer where they're on an airplane and you see all the screens start to change well that is actually the how the movie begins and we start with somebody trying to flirt with somebody in another seat and he explains what he's just experienced 
Life sucks when you can't sleep. Yeah, tell me about it. Sometimes it's good to talk. Okay. This is gonna sound crazy, but you ever hear about the videotape that kills you after you watch it? Well, I'm at this party. I'm gonna meet this girl from Seattle. We told her we hit it off. The next day, she sends me this video. It says, "Watch me." So I find a VCR, watch it. But the image is on it. The second it was over, my phone rings, and this girl says, "I'm gonna die in seven days." That was a week ago tonight. Ever since, everything's been strange. All I gotta do is make it to the next five minutes. Okay, so first off, when we look at this situation, why would you tell somebody randomly across that's that's sitting next to you that she's obviously trying to flirt with you somewhat? I don't know if I completely agree with it. I mean, she's kind of cute. Maybe he would be within her league. I don't fucking know. But... Honestly, she's like, oh, you want to tell me about what's going on? Because, you know, maybe later on I'll take you over to the bathroom and, you know, maybe show you my boobs or something. But, no, he starts going into this whole thing. I get it. He's freaking out. He doesn't necessarily believe in it. But we don't really see, like, anything that kind of leads up to whatever is going on with him. The whole idea and the whole device that this is basically being used as is a way to reintroduce the idea of the Samara's tape back to the audience, right? If you haven't seen Ring or Ring 2 in a very long time, maybe you forgot. Or if you're fucking living under a goddamn rock, or you live out in the middle of buttfuck nowhere, or you're, you know, in a place where American movies don't necessarily bring anything in in terms of profit, then yeah, you may not know what the Ring is and the whole idea behind Samara's tape. But, come on, most of us are not that fucking, like... If we're going to see this movie, we've had to have seen the other twos, right? Maybe oh, maybe the younger generation doesn't know right away and didn't really experience that. Okay, I get it. But still, fucking stupid for the people that have seen it. Like, you know what it is. So, that's the whole reason that this little part exists, right? So, he gets up and he goes over to the bathroom because he's not feeling well. And he starts bleeding from his nose. Things on the plane start getting a little weird. And her... This girl that was trying to talk to him talks to her friend, and she's like, man, that's really weird. Uh, You know, she's like, what? And he's like, oh, he was talking about some tape he saw. So she runs over to the bathroom, the friend of the, the flirty girl, and then bangs on it and asks if he's done something. Did you make a copy of it? Did you make a copy of the tape? No! I, I... Miss, the seatbelt light is on. Oh, Jesus. What is going on with you? It's just a story. I've seen it. Okay, so she's seen it, too. Like, what are the odds that somebody on this plane has seen the exact same creepy fucking movie and understands how everything works? And this is kind of where we go back to the whole rings thing. The original rings, right? So there are a bunch of people that go out there and watch it for sport, and then they make somebody else watch it within the seven days. So he's on the plane this time where everything is fucking going crazy around him. If I also remember my ring correctly, uh, I also know that crazy shit happens to you within 
those fucking seven days. Like, all these things. I remember the first ring basically sounded like she was, like, constantly tried to be killed the entire fucking movie, right? Like, every little thing, while she was trying to uncover the mystery of everything going on, she was fucking being chased by weird things, saw a horse on fucking fire, all these weird crazy shit. I would have not gotten on a fucking plane, but this motherfucker right here, he decides, oh, you know what? Maybe this shit isn't that bad. Oh, I'm seeing fucking weird shit bleeding out of the walls and fucking uh, cicadas everywhere and, and random fucking flaming fucking pieces of shit flying at me. But no, I'll get on a fucking plane and endanger the lives of everybody on that fucking plane, which is what he fucking does because all of a sudden the all the screens start popping up with videos of the ring which means that she's gone fucking viral and fucking like wi-fi enabled this is no longer a videotape and again who's showing this like what is going on like all the screens this scene has absolutely no importance to the whole fucking movie other than to remind us what the ring is because he didn't make a copy yet now everybody on the goddamn plane is watching Samara come out of the fucking videoscape and then the plane is going to crash and kill everybody on it only one motherfucker on that plane saw this fucking tape oh, I'm sorry two motherfuckers but the other one made a copy of the goddamn video and he didn't so he should be the only fucker to die not the rest of the fucking plane but guess what that's what fucking happens why why do we need to kill all of these people when only one person on this whole fucking flight has truly not followed the rules of spreading the fucking tape disease or whatever you want to fucking call samara's fucking shit but it it makes for an interesting beginning, but you see absolutely nothing. You just, like, the last things that you see are the video screens all turning into her fucking videotape at the point where she's climbing out of the well, but she doesn't even fucking climb out of the well at this point in the movie. And that's it. And then all of a sudden, it's two years fucking later, and we're watching some, like, college chick look through a fucking, like, flea market, come across a VCR, and of course, that's where we also meet Johnny Galecki? What the fuck are you doing in this movie? Don't you have a TV series that is, like, super popular and, like, you make tons of money you don't have to be in shitty horror movies but no i guess we need a relatable star for the younger generation so that way they go and see this this would like be my fucking aid is this gonna be a steven seagal situation why do i what why what why does it always fucking come back to executive decision every time i see some like and he's not even a high-name actor in the film business or in the action or in the horror. You know when the last time that he showed up in a horror movie was? I fucking know what you fucking did last summer. That's not the real title. But that was the last fucking horror movie he was in. When was that? Like, 15, 16, 17 years ago? Maybe even older than that? I think it may have been in the beginning of the 2000s. That's the last time that I've even recognized him in a fucking movie. Yes, he's been in a lot of other movies before, but where do you fucking know him from? That's right, fucking Roseanne. That's fucking David right there, okay? That's a... Oh, wait, what? He's on something else. What? What show? What the fuck is that? What? No. What? Okay, I guess there's another show that, that producers are telling me over here that the big 
Bang Theory is the big show that he's on? I don't even know what the fuck that is. That's way past my fucking time. Uh, But anyway, so he, like, is supposed to be the drawing power for the new generation of people that are coming to fucking watch this movie. And I don't get it, because... Honestly, he sounds as bored as he fucking can. Honestly, he sounds kind of like David from Roseanne from back in the day. So, college lady here, she finds, and her name happens to be Sky that we're going to find out later on in the film, but she happens to find a VCR, and that's when she's approached by Johnny Galecki, who begins to talk to her about the vintage things. If you're not interested in buying, I'd love to take a look. Sure. I mean, who would want an old VCR? Once upon a time, this was a technological revolution. Okay. Just talking to the guy, turns out that he got all this stuff from a family. His son died in a plane crash a couple years back. And now it's just a bunch of outdated junk. I prefer vintage. Oh, so that's how we're going to connect the first scene to the rest of the fucking movie is the fact that, oh, well, some dude died in a plane crash, killed a bunch of other people along with him, and, oh, he left the VCR, and, oh boy, that's how we're going to move the film along. So we're just totally using the beginning, like I said, as a device to kind of remind you of what's going on in this world, and then two, uh, so that we can somehow connect it smallly to this movie for how it's so fucking stupid. It makes me fucking cry. Oh, so there's also the situation, even though as boring as this is also professor Gabriel is who Johnny Galecki is paying in this movie. But if I refer to him as David, I'm going to refer to him as fucking David because honestly, he acts a lot like that character in terms of like, the bored sense of David, whenever David just seemed like he was, you know, not totally like he was giving in to Darlene. If you remember those old ones, like even from what I see on the big bang theory or from what I've heard from clips, I should say like, he still has a little more life to him than he does in this fucking movie. He like has nothing. He just seems bored the entire fucking time. And that was reason enough for sky to go fucking home with him. She goes with him. Were they out together? Uh, was he picking up random fucking college girls at the local flea market? Like, what? Like, how is that interesting? Oh, you know, VCRs, they used to be the technological marvel. Oh shit, I want you to fuck me right here and right now, but we can't do it because it's in public. You're so interesting. Like, seriously? That's what I have to do. I have to go out and be in like a pretentious fucking dick. And that will give me the ability to go out there and just randomly score with college girls. Um, huh. I guess I need to put this podcast on pause for a second. Okay, I'm back. Uh, didn't work. Uh, let's just continue on with the whole ring thing. So now I guess we're back at David's apartment or Gabriel, where the fuck his name is. And he's going through the VCR that he actually bought, and he finds that there's actually something inside of it. Hey, Sky. Guess what? What? Had a tape in it. <laughs> Care to see what's down the rabbit hole? I'm going to be late for class. But maybe you can tell me about it later. 
Have fun, Professor. So he sits down to watch the tape and he rolls himself a doobie and starts smoking and watching the videotape. And of course, it's Samara's tape. So he gets to see all the fun imagery and everything that's going on. And then he gets the phone call where she tells him he's got seven days to live. And then all of a sudden, middle of nowhere, shit starts to get weird. First, a cicada, which seems like a fly, but we find out later it's nothing but fucking cicadas in this movie. Uh, flies out of nowhere and he tries to put his hand on it on the window, but it ends up popping outside the window and flying into the night. Then on the outside, we see that it's raining, but everything is raining up. Honestly, the set looks kind of neat and I like the imagery that they're putting here, but if I remember correctly with the first Ring movies, like, weird shit, especially the first one, didn't really start happening right after they watched the tape. It seemed like it took a little bit of time, and I could be remembering totally wrong, but I remember it was at least a couple hours or a day at least till... You know, and it was a gradual type of crazy shit that went on. Like, you'd see one thing here or there, but not all of a sudden fucking rain flying upside down, random cicadas just fucking popping up out in the middle of nowhere. But, you know what, maybe times have changed, and because we live in a much more digital age, and a much faster speed age, that she's able to fucking use Wi-Fi to entrance, like, the way that she does her whole fucking creepy ghost shit. So... That's where we go and we get the title sequence and we see that it's rings. And then we focus in our our true main characters of the film, Holt and Julia and the fucking stupid fucking teenagers. Julia, I keep thinking about this story. It's like the most romantic story in the history of stories. Well, it's not how we met. No, it's about this guy, Orpheus. His girlfriend dies, and he has to literally go down into hell to rescue her. How come it's always the guy rescuing the girl? uh, He tracks her down. He finds her, and the devil's going to let her go on one condition. He has to start first without her. He has to walk away without looking back at her. But He looks back to glimpse her and loses her forever. Ninth grade. English lit. <laughs> you know it. So what's your point? I don't know. I just I relate to the guy. I can't imagine not looking back at you. Oh fucking a! Would you shut up with that fucking love puppy dog bullshit that you've got going on right here? What's the point? Oh, I'm sorry. Foreshadowing, but beyond foreshadowing, what's the fucking point? Like, we know what's going to happen. Something that was bad either going to happen to her, and he has to make a choice, whatever. Or, because she said in there, oh, well, why does it always have to be the man that goes after? Because that's old fucking stories, okay? It's going to flip the fucking script, and she's somehow going to save him from something. Like, I... It's so stupid. I don't care that these two are in love. I don't care that whatever she's going off to college, there's some stupid fucking bullshit where, like, he's leaving and she's like, I love you, I'm gonna miss your scent, and he gives her his shirt just so that he can flex those, like, teen, but he's probably, like, in his 30s, like, bod that he's got going out there. 
And it's fucking stupid. He really looks like he could be a Franco. Like, I really thought this was Dave Franco that was in this role. But turns out it's not. It's somebody I don't even know who the fuck it is. And he doesn't even have rings on his fucking IMDb profile. Like, he's there and he's a part of the film. But you go to his page, rings is fucking missing. And he hasn't really been in shit. So, it's one of those situations where you're like... What the fuck, and why is this my fucking movie? There's also some bullshit where he's, like, worried that, oh, you know, it's, like, half-heartedly joking that, oh, don't cheat on me with this guy because he decided to get a job at the same place that you have a job right as he found out that I was leaving, and I'm like, oh, great. Is there some type of stupid... Nope, it's just some fucking thing that, I guess, young, stupid teens in love say to each other in these fucking stupid movies. Anyway, moving forward, so she's supposed to be Skyping with him every night, and they decide on the first night to have one of their first Skype sessions. Well, actually, you know what? I don't think it's on one of the first nights. I think it's much longer after he's been there. And obviously, he must be desperate or tired of using his hand all the time because he talks to her and explains to her that he can't wait till she gets there, and even though she's a couple weeks out. Oh, baby, it's been six weeks. I can't take it. <laughs> Why are you so much nicer now that we don't live in the same town? Sorry, what's your name again? Shut up. That's my name. <laughs> How are your classes? Kind of uninspiring. Was this... One experimental biology class, though. The teacher's kind of a badass. That sounds cool. Yeah. Not everything's cool, though. Still, like, a whole week until I get to see you. Well, you're seeing me now. Yeah, I guess. What about I start by taking off my hair clip? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. What's next? I can't stand it. How did you even get it? Oh, These cool. idiots just broke into my room. Lord, vision quest? Gabriel says you're up. Let's go to the sevens. Shit, tonight? Tonight. Some little lady but boyfriend's got plans tonight. You know, but we could talk. Dude, I think I'm good. I'll make it up to you, I promise. Pico, Louis, and Fuego. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Don't talk to you tomorrow. Okay, you know that Gabriel is really fucking code for Gabriella or some other shit. Oh, we're going away. But no, truly, we find out that that's not really what it means. But of course, if I was her, I would be like, oh, God, he's truly is fucking cheating on me. So she has a dream where she's fucking, well, fucking him. And then all of a sudden we get a jump scare during the sex where something reaches out and grabs him. Uh, she keeps trying to reach and get a hold of Holt, but as everything goes on, he becomes less and less responsive. Till after she has this weird dream, she decides that she's gonna go to his college, damn the consequences of what might be happening. Of course, the dream is not the only thing that makes her go over to the college. When she does wake up from that dream, she goes over to her computer, and then all of a sudden she gets a random call from Holt's Skype from some chick who we happen to recognize as Sky, who says that she is coming after them. Where is he? Who are you? Where's Holt? I don't know. I haven't spoken to him. Don't lie to me! I'm not lying to you. What are you doing on his computer? Tell him there's no hiding. Tell the dead man he can't hide. What are you talking about? What's wrong with you? She's coming. There's no stopping her. Tell Holt that... And of course, he doesn't mean that Sky is coming after him, but it's kind of leading Julie to believe that that might be the reasoning why we know what it is because of what we're watching, but the film hasn't quite yet explained it. 
So she decides to get into the car and then head over to the college where he's staying. Damn the consequences. She shows up over there. After not being able to reach him by phone, she finds that his phone has actually been thrown under his bed. And all of her messages are there, but there's messages from somebody named Sky. She decides that, hey, I need to find where Holt is, looks up on his wall, and she sees this weird, like, bracelet that has some weird thing on the end of it. And then she looks at his schedule to see what class he's supposed to be in. She heads over to the classroom, and we see that Gabriel, David, Johnny Galecki, he's leading the class in a lecture, and then he notices her in the distance. Now, this is a scene where we don't necessarily need to see this, or you don't necessarily need to hear this, but it's more or less to show you the uh, impeccable choice in the way that Johnny Galecki decided to do most of his scenes in this movie is really amplified by this sequence here. So, uh, and it's also kind of interesting, at least in some of the concepts that he's talking about and what he believes in, and then compared to what he's actually doing. Science has told us that we are merely the primal stirrings of some carbon, some proteins. We live a while eat, have sex when we can, <laughs> and that's it, then we die. Lewin, there's no need to take notes on that part. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, because no one is denying that we have consciousness. Some inner life that's not quite accounted for here. Let's remember the infamous double slit experiment. <clears throat> when no one is watching, the particles just pass through both slits at the same time. But, with an observer, they behave like bullets. Passing through one slit or the other. This is big, guys. The immaterial human consciousness has reached out and touched the material. There is a calculable transformation in the real world and solely because someone was there to watch it. Which may account for the fact that I've become significantly sweatier once I've noticed the mysterious stranger watching me from the back of the room. And so everybody turns around and sees that she's back there. And they all kind of laugh and he dismisses the class. This causes her to go up and to find out where exactly her boo is. How can I help you? I'm looking for my boyfriend. He's supposed to be in your class. Okay. What's this guy's name? Holt Anthony. Yeah. Not sure. It always takes me until Thanksgiving to start putting names to faces. Really? Because he was supposed to do some sort of extra credit thing for you. Did he? Maybe. I don't know. I do know that I have 25 essays to grade. Listen, okay, it's not uncommon for a new student to find something or someone that's more interesting to them than class. My advice to you, move on. That's right, he probably found himself a new piece of ass, so you need to get the fuck away from here, right? I'm not trying to hide anything. Don't fucking follow me, especially don't go into the elevator that I'm about to go to my secret floor with. See... She does follow him, <laughs> because, of course, the facial expressions that he uses during that scene are fucking ridiculous. It's really like, oh, um, yeah, I, I don't know who that guy is. Um, who, hold, 
Hold who? I have no idea what you are talking about. Like, it's so ridiculous. It's just like, he is not the face of subtlety. He is the one-man face. He looks like everything that Johnny Galecki has been in. And don't get me wrong, I love the guy. I think that he's done some really great roles. David is definitely my favorite role of all time that he's done, especially with, uh, I believe Christmas Vacation is the one that he's in, but I'm sure somebody's going to tell me he's in one of the other ones, but I believe it is Christmas Vacation. He's fucking great. Um, but here again, this is such a throwaway role for him. Like, he doesn't even try to do anything different with, like the way that the scene is even fucking set up it's so fucking annoying and it's obvious that you can't trust the guy so she does follow him he gets in an elevator and he goes up to the seventh floor she doesn't follow him into the elevator she just waits to see where the you know the thing stops when she goes inside the elevator she presses the seventh floor and it doesn't do anything then she realizes she's got the bracelet from her dear old holt and that actually is the key for the elevator so she's unable to lock and get up to the seventh floor when she does get in there all of a sudden there's just like a whole room of like data being strung around everywhere and there's pictures of a bunch of people and they're all weirdly distorted what i didn't talk about earlier when she got the skype call from sky uh her face kept doing these weird things that you could see within the imageries of it it looked odd. And again, I'm saying Skype, but it really didn't look like Skype. But that's the closest thing I think most people know exactly what it is. But anyway, so she's looking around and that's when she overhears Sky and Gabriel talking. Calm down. I'm telling you, it's different. Everyone says that. It's okay. Where's your tail? I don't have one anymore. I told you not to call him. That asshole hung up on me. Well, I wonder why. Okay, we'll switch tails. You talk to Holt? No! I tried. He isn't answering his phone. Come on. Holt has his own problems. You have to help me, Gabriel. It's your fault. You started this! Down. Listen to me, Gabe. The videos, the tales, all these people. It's wrong and she's pissed. You're being ridiculous. I can feel her. It's all changing. You don't have much time. You, you need to trust me. How could I ever trust you? Get to your studio. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Make a copy of the video and wait. I'm going to send someone right now. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Everything's going to be fine, darling. You understand? Yes. I understand. You, you don't. Okay, so first, it's obvious that he's seen the tape and he's managed like to survive the whole thing. It's not at the end of the seven days. It's not during the middle of the seven days. This is much longer, but they don't really give us a time frame. All we know is that he saw the tape. It went over to the two in bed. That could have been five days later. It could have been the next day. It could have been happening at the same time. I don't fucking know, but I guess we have to look in the almanac and see what the fuck. This is the day that the rain started floating up because of... Yes, this happens to everybody, because with the plane thing, if we're going to kill one person, let's kill everybody to make sure the one person I need to... Well, I guess that kind of makes sense. If he's in a plane, maybe she can't really be, like, picky and choosy. But no, but she doesn't really kill people like that. Ugh, we're going to... Ugh, I don't want to get into that yet, because it's fucking stupid! Ugh, but anyway, so... 
she overhears this whole situation. And it's obviously, like I said, that he has survived his viewing of the tape. And he knows that he needs to copy the tape and show it to people. So he's really into doing like what seems like an experiment. Because he's got the pictures of the people with all the weird faces. And then against uh, the back wall, he has a bunch of names, including Sky and Holt. And they all have countdown timers. And they're talking about something called Tails, but we don't know what it is quite yet. So Sky leaves the building to go back to her home. And Julie here obviously follows her because, I gotta get back with my boyfriend and not just fucking leave the whole thing alone. Where, oh, okay. That I'm gonna have to wait on that one as well. But she goes over the girl. She's like, Oh, I overheard you talking with Gabriel and stuff, and I need to know where Holt is. And then Sky gets that look on her face like, Ah, shit, I can do this to this girl because who gives a fuck what's gonna happen? And she's like, Coo, why don't you come with me back to my place? Cause I know where Holt is. You just overheard the whole fucking situation that was going on here, and yet you're gonna follow this bitch? Like, come on, how fucking stupid are you? You're fucking naive as, oh fuck, and that's gonna fucking bite you back in the ass at the end of this fucking movie. Mark my fucking words, right fucking now. It's so ridiculous, like, she is doing this whole fucking, uh, Orpheus type thing, and, and Orpheus, who the fuck is that guy? I thought that was the guy that lived with the fucking Venture Brothers. But it turns out it's not. It's some Greek guy. Uh, And the story checks out, by the way. See, I also thought it was like something around Dante's Inferno. But, you know, that of course would probably date me as well. Who the fuck reads Orpheus' story in fucking ninth grade English literature unless you're fucking AP or any or honors or whatever the fuck the smart people shit is? Like, and you're not going to school because your mom or whatever. Uh, There's more fucking bullshit in this movie that needs to be in this movie that has no relevance on everything except for the fact that Orpheus is the person that lives with the Venture Brothers and fuck him going into hell to trying to find his wife because she's with some other demon dog guy. Uh, So, anyway, the point of this story here is, is that she is willing to follow this bitch for her man, right? She is willing to just go out and it's obviously in her eyes that she's going to make her do something with the tape or whatever. And that's how things are going to fucking roll with this. So it's to no surprise when she goes into the apartment and she's basically like saying, oh, you know, Holt's going to be here and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'll help you get him. But, uh, you know, I just need to do a couple little things. And then she goes to make a copy of the tape, just like Gabriel like asked her to do. And meanwhile, while she's doing that, Julia finds the phone uh, of Sky and sees messages from Holt, saying, "I've got a new number. I'm contacting you." Uh, and then she's like, "I need to find you." And he's like, "Wait, don't watch anything that she shows him." And meanwhile, you know, copying is as simple as right-clicking on this thing, copy, paste. Like, that's it. You're done. Because now this is suddenly a fucking digital file rather than being a fucking videotape. You can't just go in and get two VCRs and have everybody go play, you record, and be done with it. You know how I used to steal? I mean, how I used to uh, borrow anime from places like Hollywood Video? Uh, why? Why do we need to do this like whole thing and while she's going to copy she's typing typing a ton just 
what is she fucking, is she fucking coding the fucking movie at the same time? You can just, you know what, if you want to use a keyboard, you know what you can do? You know what you can do? You know what you can do? Control C, Control V, motherfucker! You don't have to do anything else. Or right click, copy, right click, paste. Why, why, why do I need to top, why do I need to keep typing the entire fucking time and then act like nothing is happening when you're talking to the person you're trying to get them to watch your fucking tape nothing's wrong he's not avoiding you he's just on a journey i want you to watch something and then you'll understand Is that my phone? You're lying! I need you to do this for me. It's just a two-minute video. It won't hurt you. Open the door! Julia! I need you to help me! Colt watched it! We've all watched it! So, of course, she won't open the door for her because she finally does something fucking smart. And then Samara happens, okay? So, just like the end of the original ring, we see the TV go on and we see the well sitting back there. And it's basically kind of a recreation of that scene you saw from the end of the first film. Spoiler, she kills the boyfriend, if I didn't talk about that earlier. That was like the big twist, was that even though... Uh, Naomi Watts' character did everything that she needed to do and found the body and buried her in the right place. All this fun stuff. Thinking that she had ended the curse, that was not it. Instead, her boyfriend, who had never made a copy, she realized she made a copy that she showed her boyfriend way back and actually showed her son by accident as well. But you could kind of leave it up to the ex-boyfriend, honestly. But that allowed her to be saved by the whole thing, even though she got all the weird images for seven days. Like, that was it. But she, so she really shouldn't have gotten anything because she was never truly in danger, unless she was experiencing something that he was experiencing instead. But she was alone on a bunch of the time. But we could break that down another time when we want to do a good movie. Well, personally, a good movie. So, we see, you know, he, she comes out of the TV and she kills him. And that's a revelation. So this point, Sky here, she's trying everything. She thinks that she's won. She's like, oh, it's 705 or 710 or where the fuck the time was supposed to be. Bitches, I defeated you. And then all of a sudden, here she comes. She pulls all the wires out of the wall. That does absolutely nothing because Samara's fucking on Wi-Fi now, bitches. She's gone digital. She's over the airways. She just fucking streams to everything. And she's also in HD, by the way. Uh, and so she pulls it. She throws the TV down. She breaks a perfectly good, like, 50-inch TV, too. It looked, it wasn't a Samsung, so maybe it wasn't so good. But she throws it down on the ground, and then, of course, she's still able to get out there, and Samara's able to kill Sky. And she does it by... <sighs> Have you ever seen the new guy with Eddie Griffin and uh that weird-looking motherfucker? Um, 
I forgot. I think it's DJ something. I can't remember what his name is uh, exactly off the top of my head. But if you've never seen the new guy, uh, you should at least look up the scene with the crazy eye. Because that's what Samara fucking does. She just gives him the crazy fucking eye and then they kill over dead. That's it. There's nothing else. Like, she managed to cause a whole fucking plane to fucking tumble into the ground, proving the point that she didn't need to kill everybody on the plane, only the person that fucking watched it. But here she she does that, and then she goes after Julia, trying to go to the door, but she's not able to do so. And Holt actually shows up in time, not before Julia actually sees the body of Sky there, all contorted and everything like all the other bodies that have been killed by Samara have. And that's also when the tail shows up for Sky late. So you you can't trust college students. You have to tell them, hey man, uh, if they need them there by 7.10, you got to tell them you need to be there by 6.50, a good 20 minutes before. Because if she didn't have Julian, and she's trying to show her the tape and she wouldn't watch the tape, right? But if she was trying to show her the tape and... It, it fucking failed, you know, if she didn't, I should say, it would have fucking failed because he would have showed up late anyway and she wouldn't be able to show him the tape and she'd still be dead. So there's still no point in anything going on here. So we see Holt, he grabs Julia and he gives Gabriel a call to tell him what's gone on. Hello. Gabriel. Gabriel. Do you know about Sky? I know someone put a picture of her online. Everyone's dropping out. Wait. Wait, do I still have a tail? Gabriel? Is someone still watching for me? I'm going to find you someone. I promise you that. Just stay where you are. So it's official Gabriel has realized that he fucked up because, you know, Sky fucking died. And now people know that things have gone on. So the other people that are in the program don't want to even be a fucking part of it anymore. And honestly, I wouldn't want to be a part of this either because, hey, why do I want to watch a tape that I could possibly buy die in seven days? And we're going to continue this to the very end of the thing. And right before I'm about to die, then somebody else is going to watch the tape. See, again, this is rings. The whole experiment that he's doing is rings. It's the same fucking premise, same fucking movie. The only difference is is that he's trying to figure out the difference between life and death and what you possibly experience in the afterlife because he believes that whatever is being shown to him or whatever the people see from Samara has something to do with being that close to death. So, okay, so we've rehashed one movie in the first fucking half of the movie that we've done. But we're still not through. We still have about an hour left of this movie to go through, so where are we going to go from here? Uh, Well, let's start off with a conversation between Holt and Julia. Everything's going to be fine. That's what he told Skye. Listen, Julia, I'm really sorry that you had to see that. But I can't let you get caught up in this. I think it's a little too late for that. I watched it. Twelve hours after Sky. We're supposed to help each other through it. Help each other. 
So were you and her? No. Gabriel said a few of us were going to be chosen for this experiment. If you just heard the way he described it, that we could prove the existence of a soul, of life after death. I know, I know, it sounds crazy, but I'm just confused. The tape is the doorway to the other side. Then why did she die? You have seven days before you die. You just have to watch the tape and make a copy and show it to someone else, and then you're fine. Gabriel calls it a tale. Her tale just didn't show. So were you supposed to pass on a death sentence to someone else? How could you get involved in this? Didn't you hear him, bitch? Like he said there was something interesting that they were doing. Like, come on, open your fucking ears, man. Like, he made it sound like this is going to be something that's fantastic, that we could actually prove that a soul is alive. The only thing that you have to do... We're not alive, but actually there, okay? But only thing you have to do is watch a tape almost die and make somebody else watch the tape and pass it on forward. Or, you know what? You make somebody, like, rings. You make somebody watch the goddamn tape and then just let them fucking die and you're fucking done with the curse. You're done with everything. Like, you don't tell them how to fucking get out of this and you're done. You walk away. Boom, I'm done. And you know what? Isn't this the fucking thing with the Samara thing that is just fucking ridiculous the fact of the matter that everything could be stopped if nobody showed anybody else the tape but no we have this fucking continual like somehow other people show because somebody showed it because they don't want to die why can't you just find a bum fucking somewhere like seriously do some type of like uh clockwork orange type of bullshit where you take a guy off the street he's obviously maybe he's like in his 70s okay so that way he's not so much of a bum or he's towards the end of his life uh maybe he only has seven days to live okay and he's got cancer you take a cancer i know it's not right to talk about people that have cancer or whatever but you take somebody that has a terminal disease and what do you do you make them watch the fucking tape because there's nothing else that's going to save these fuckers, right? There's nobody's going to care about a bum or or whatever in our society. I mean, people do care, but for this fucking, like, example. But nobody cares about this fucking guy. Nobody's going to know. So you've watched it. Now you show it to this bum. Boom. No more fucking Samara video. That's it. Destroy the tape. Lock it away. Put it somewhere. You're done. Ring doesn't exist anymore. The first couple times, okay, I get it. Maybe you got experimental things. But when people know or you're the last person and you haven't made a copy of it, make one last copy and that's it. And leave it on VHS. Don't transfer to a fucking digital file. Are you fucking stupid? Of course, now all of a sudden it's going to attach itself to a bunch of fucking emails and spread around the world or some stupid bullshit like that. Like, come on. That's what I don't really get. Like, this could be easily fucking solved. But anyway, she doesn't understand. Well, she kind of does. And she realized that he only has about 12 hours left to live unless he has a tail come and watch the video. So she decides to be the noble Orpheus and watch the video for him and allow him to actually continue on living. And that's when he wakes up and wonders what the fuck she just did when it's obvious she watched the fucking tape. Jules, what did you do? I saw something. 
There was a room. A door. Yeah? It's Gabriel. Well, listen, I've got a tale for you. It's not for me anymore. So she saw the vision in some room, and then, like, it burned her hand, like, something into her hand. So they decide that they're going to go on and go see Gabriel and figure out what's happening with everything. So they drive towards the university or towards Gabriel's house. I don't know where the fuck he lives. And on the way, a bird crashes into the car windshield. It doesn't actually leave anything. It's something that she sees. She follows it back. She almost gets run over by a truck when she sees the bird trying to take it out of the highway. And again, that's like either nature's trying to kill her or Samar's trying to kill her. One of the two. I'm not exactly sure. So they continue over to Gabriel's apartment to which they try to convince Julia that she needs to make a goddamn copy of it so that way she can survive and have a happy life with Holt. So you watch the tape. I dismissed self-sacrifice as popular myth. Holt was running out of time. It was the only way to save him. Anyone would have done it. You know, I could show you some research that would suggest the opposite. She's marked already on day one. And it's... it's different. I wasn't marked until day five. Gabriel, this has to mean something. It's happening faster. Maybe it is all changing. I wanted to believe that tape meant a lot of things. Our souls are eternal. And when we die, the spirit strives to find a new home. Then I saw the picture. I saw Sky's face. You saw it too. You want to survive, you make a copy and you show someone. No one is dying because of me. I'll tell them how it works. And so what, the cycle just continues? <laughs> what do you think survival is? Just make a copy. We'll decide what to do with it later. Please. Uh, just make the fucking copy, okay? Make it. Make the copy. Make everything fucking, like, better. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Who gives a fuck about who watches it next? That's their fucking deal. Honestly, that's kind of the way that this thing has to go. But no, so altruistic, doesn't want to make the copy, doesn't want to fucking do it because she doesn't feel that she needs to make anybody else die. But guess what? You're going to be the one that's dying next. So eventually, she decides, okay, I'm going to make the copy because kind of like what Holt says, make the copy and we'll decide what's going on. So she goes and copies Holt's, but there's a problem. Whoa. What did you do here? Uh, her version won't copy. What do you mean it won't copy? Your file size is larger than the original. How can that be? Scrub through her copy. What, what, what is that? Go back. Right there. The bird. 
I told you in the car I saw that bird. What? It shouldn't be there. I need my equipment. What? Did what? 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 <laughs> what did we just hear? She can't make a copy. It's much bigger than the other copy. Scrub through her copy. How the fuck does that work? Like, tell me. Tell me right fucking now. How does that work? It doesn't. It's stupid. There's no way that if you cannot make a copy of the file and make the copy for you to scrub through, what are you scrubbing through? Are you scrubbing through somebody else's fucking copy? Are you looking at the last one that Sky made, maybe? Uh, what what are you doing? Because it's obviously it's Holt's fucking copy, right? She's making a copy of Holt's thing. And then you look in there. Oh, there's extra fucking things in there. And we learn more bullshit in the next little scene where they talk about there being a fucking like picture and picture fucking option. Okay. See, there's these weird gaps in the digital code glitches where we, we get these these ghost images like your bird i mean we're talking one or two frames still images but there's more there's video data condensed in the still frames a video within a video well there is now now this is where I started getting pissed off because I literally wrote, I mean, I'm pissed off as much as it is already with this goddamn movie, but I started writing, you know, I go through my notes. I constantly have my pad of paper. I mark down all the times that I'm going through. Oh, this, it looks like a good scene. This one doesn't. Oh, and I make notes to fucking talk about when I go through these. I have two notes right here, two notes that start the same fucking way. And it both says, Fucking A. Fucking A. And one of them says, I just fucking wrote that. Like, come on. Like, what type of bullshit are you pulling me through here? Now, we're not just fucking doing something different. We've already copied rings. Okay? That's the premise of the first half of the movie. Now we're in the second half of the movie, starting the second act of the movie, because Sky is kind of like the end of the first act and the end of copying rings. Now we're going back and we're copying the ring. We're basically writing the ring into this because now all of a sudden she's seeing fucking visions and seeing things and trying to analyze the tape because she sees stuff that you know, oh, we haven't seen before, and it's leading her somewhere. Look, fucking listen. What was it? Only images, but I can't explain how it felt. Flood, fire, cremation. Those are images that have never been on the tape before. You know, primitive cultures believe that the only way to free a soul is to burn the body. That is, if you can find it. Wait. I saw this. That's where they buried her. I traced it to a town called Sacrament Valley about four hours from here. That's where we need to go. Oh, so now you're going to go and try to find her body? Hmm, where have I heard that before? But no, 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 it's different. It's totally different because we're not just going to find her body. We're going to find her body and then we're going to burn it. 
instead of burying it like you did in the first fucking movie. So you see these weird visions, they all lead you somewhere, and they all lead to a different story, and now there's brand new parts of the goddamn tape. Somehow, it's gone and, like, evolved. What the, what? It's, does she have her own, like, recording studio now? Like, is soon Samara gonna be a fucking podcaster? And she's gonna be back there and, and, you know, you're just gonna automatically have a downloaded file on your fucking phone? The first thing is gonna be like, oh, this is a video podcast. So it puts it up and does the videos. And then all of a sudden you're gonna get added to your downloads and you're gonna play, but like, what the hell is this? And the podcast's gonna start. It's gonna play its little music and then it's gonna go seven days. And then the outro music's gonna go on and that's gonna be it. You're no longer you're gonna get phone calls you're gonna get fucking podcast episodes like what the fuck is going on like it's not anything different we're doing the same fucking thing again instead this time we know the boyfriend is actually gonna survive because she's the one that saved him based upon our earlier fucking tale like she knows it but now it's up to her oh i can break the curse or break the cycle wherever it is by doing what she fucking wants did you know it didn't work in the first fucking movie you know what happened at the end of the first fucking movie which has led us to this fucking point so what do you think is going to happen in this movie do you think that she's actually going to succeed in something fucking positive i'm gonna ruin for you right now no based on the other movies no! Nothing good can come of this! Just fucking make somebody else watch your brand new tape and or just fucking die. Because, ugh. Now, I'm gonna save something for the very end because it's gonna ruin it for you if I tell you about it now unless you've seen this movie. So, Gabriel sees in her hand that there's some weird things so he takes a picture for his notes. And then he gets a phone call from the police basically kind of asking questions about Skye's death because they know that for some reason he was connected to her. I don't know really why because he's a professor and she's a student. I think that, well, it's probably because somebody said, oh, well, you know, she was doing something for the professor. And he does say something that's, you know, really... There's a couple lines in this movie I really like. And this is one of the few that I do like where I didn't record this one down, I don't think. But basically, he tells her uh, that, you know, there are basically two sides to everything you have to believe. Even though I didn't kill her, technically, I did, and the police don't believe in the technicalities. Like, he did lead to her death, and technically, he did is the one that killed her, even though he didn't physically kill her, because he wasn't able to get there on time. So he tells them that they need to go on, and that they need to take his notes, because they're going to be better than he ever could be for them. Not even coming with us. The police want to ask me questions, Holt. They think you killed Sky. But you didn't. I hope if you learn anything from an education, it's that more than one theory can be true. I didn't kill Sky. And I did. But the cops don't deal in such ambiguities. My research, everything that's known about the tape is in there. It'll be more of a help to you than I can be. The man never quite measures up to his work. Oh, hey, look, I did actually include the line within... I could have sworn it was before that scene, but anyway, we let's continue, and I kind of digress with this. But 
They get in the car and they drive up north. She sees something kind of weird, kind of funky on her way up. She sees a pregnant woman and that kind of surprises her. And she says that she can feel Samara kind of like inside of her or something. And they arrive into a town, into a little like bed and breakfast place. Julia, she's looking along the walls as uh, Holt's trying to get the room for the night. And there's a picture on the wall that kind of strikes julia as familiar so she asks the lady there what exactly or who exactly the people are in the photo excuse me who's the girl in this photo the one in the middle there why that's my niece beautiful isn't she people say we look no i'm sorry i meant the girl with the violin oh that's evelyn i think i saw her earlier today That's not possible. She disappeared 30 years ago. Does anyone know why? No. And I'd rather not talk about it. Ma'am, where's the church? Well, it's not a church anymore. So it's actually been turned into like an AA meeting place. And she goes over there and they view the meeting that's going on. And as everybody leaves, she's outside wondering what the significance of the church actually is. And they're approached by an older man who tells them that, hey, you guys are way too young to be at this type of meeting. Holt goes and asks a little more about what might have happened, and he gives them some more information, but she in the sky sees a bunch of cicadas flying around the church, and that looks exactly like what happened in one of her visions, and the cicadas, they fly over to the graveyard site, and that's where she realizes that she needs to go over there because that's where Samara's body actually is. She's able to find the gravestone because she sees some weird images, again, linked to the, you know, the video that she saw, And she climbs inside the grave, and you know what they say, if you climb inside of a grave, you're going to have a bad time. She goes in there, she sees uh, the well, and it looks like Samara's like trying to come out and come after her. You don't really see her actually pop out, but there's all these kind of weird images and imagery, and it kind of feels like, uh, see, I had some questions and stuff here at this point, and honestly, like... Uh, I, again, I don't want to give it away now because I guessed correctly. This is, this is actually the fun that I have when it comes to watching something new, if I can actually figure things out. But again, as we're talking about this being kind of a rehash, we know exactly in the original ring what you wanted to do, which was to break free of the goddamn videotape and the videotape loop and actually be out in the world. So we have to believe that there's going to be something along those lines that it's going to happen in this movie, but what is it exactly? Is it truly her trying to get away, or is it the fact that, you know, uh, something new is going to happen? Or You uh, <laughs> guess where we're going with this one. Uh, so... We cut back over and we see that Gabriel, he's figured something out with the images on our hand, and he tries to get a hold of Holt and tells him that he's coming after them. Come on, pick up. This is Holt, you know what to do. Holt, it's Gabriel. I don't know if you're getting these messages, but I figured out the mark on Julia's hand. It's Braille. I'm going to come find you guys. So that means that they can actually translate whatever it is and see whatever the wording is that's on our hand. Meanwhile, Julia is still trying to, you know, figure out what's going inside of the grave. And there's some weird scene where she's like looking 
in the gravesite. Uh, she's crawled in. She's using her phone as the fucking, uh, you know, uh, flashlight for, for the dark areas where all of a sudden the ring videotape starts playing on her screen. So shit. Now Samara's gone 4G. I mean, what the hell, man? She's just all over the fucking place and can project her video anywhere. Uh, there's a dog scare when she comes out uh, because it looks like she's she feels like she's falling down a well. Turns out she's not. She's only crawled in a little bit. But when Holt pulls her out, one of the security guards or one of the grave diggers of the site, they're there to see what's going on. They take her to an old blind man up in the like uh, on the outside of the graveyard grounds who watches over the whole cemetery, I guess. Even though he's blind and can't really see shit. So he invites them inside because he realizes that they have some questions. And that's where they find out a little more about the story and exactly where Samara's body has gone. So, you want to know about Samara Morgan? Our priest was very active with the community back then. He heard that after all the little girl had been through, that she was being denied a resting place. Well, who's to say that charity isn't meant for the dead? <laughs> so why isn't she there now? Well, because we paid mightily for this act of charity. It was as if God and nature itself wanted us to be rid of her. The flood? Yes. But I had let myself believe, like you, that she was trying to tell me something. I was pulled to that grave. She showed me things. Things that no one should have to imagine. And then I went blind. I'm so sorry. No, don't be. It brought me peace. The priest requested that her body be moved. He left Sacrament Valley. She was buried in a potter's field, just north of town, to be forgotten by all. I think we should uh, get out of here. Listen to me. There is nothing about that girl that's worth being curious about. I need to see this through. Why? Because you think you were chosen for something? Having a vision doesn't mean you know what that vision means. Thank you. What's this on your hand? Why did you put this mark on your hand? What do you mean? Be careful. You hear me? Okay, so that has this my second favorite line in this movie. Actually, you know what? It's probably my first favorite line. The other one is probably my second. Uh, the fact that he says sometimes, like, visions and stuff... Uh, <laughs> you know you just listen to it and here I'm paraphrasing the fucking thing, but oh well... Uh, that you can't always trust them and you can't always know what they mean. You think they mean something, but they could be completely different. It's a great fucking line. It's delivered horribly, 
But it's a great line, like, and it makes sense, and it really says a lot about these films in general, right? And we, again, I have to keep bringing up the first film because this is really truly a rehash, in my mind, of that film. But, you know, she believed that she was doing the right thing because of what she was seeing, and that must be what Samara wants. And he's basically saying the same thing to her. The other thing that kind of pisses me off with this scene is the fact that he grabs her hand and he's able to read the Braille because, hey, he's blind and he's probably been taught Braille so that he can do some things outside of the house, even though he proves to them that he doesn't need any help. He doesn't, he's handy capable, okay? He's able to actually navigate around his place without having any sight because he's so used to living there. So he has to know, like, Braille, right? That's what I assume. Maybe I'm making more of an ass out of myself in assuming that, but Come on, it's a fucking film world, so of course he knows fucking Braille. And why doesn't he tell her anything at this point? Like, he knows. It's obviously based upon his reaction and the pause in his voice. Well, you know, he also went to the William Shatner School of Acting, so he pauses in the most fucking inopportune times. But he's kind of like, you know, trying to not tell her anything, but tell her stuff. This It's just very odd, and I just don't get it. Just, if you know what it says, fucking tell her. Like, you know what's going on, too, as we find out much later in the film. So they take Blind Man's advice and decide that they're going to go outside and find the body that's outside of the town, as he says. It's been moved up north. And as they're going back, she sees another vision of the pregnant lady and sees that there's been an accident. Uh, for some reason, the cops don't stop her from walking into the accident scene, but they stop the boyfriend for some reason. Fucking sexist pigs. But they let her just move on. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. You would think that they would stop him. It's like she's, like, invisible to them or something. And, hey, you can just walk on right through. Who really gives a shit if there's, like, dead bodies everywhere or some shit? And as she goes in, she realizes that there's another car that's been involved in the accident. And she goes down over that car, and it turns out that Gabriel's actually in the, the car, and he's dying. And she's trying to go in there and maybe save him. He tries to say something about what's on her hand, but before he can, he tells her to move. In comes Holt and, like, tackles her off to the side to where the telephone pole comes down and hits the water that is now trickling into the car, frying Gabriel and killing him. Now, this is the only death in the entire film that we actually see that is a death that isn't just off screen. You could kind of say that another one does, but I really don't count it because of the way that it's done. This is actually one, because we see him fry in his fucking car. And after we've seen him fry, she decides that, hey, you know what? There's got to be something else about the town. So let's go back into the town, because there's something that's calling me there. That night, in the hotel room, or in the bed and breakfast room, she starts to feel more of what Samara's going through. I can feel her pain, her suffering. I'm sick with it, and it's getting worse. I'm so tired. In your sleep, I'm going to get us something to eat. Okay, from this point, I think we're actually probably at about three or four days in the film, so it kind of understands that, yeah, she's going to start feeling that more as she goes on. We also know that from the beginning of the film, uh, 
or at least from the the middle part of the start of this section of the film, that she's experiencing things much, much faster. She's been marked earlier than anybody else has been marked. We know that Holt, he has actually a hand on his back from what Samara did, and she is dealing with the Braille that's now in her hand that nobody knows but Gabriel, and maybe somebody else what exactly it means. So Julia, she decides that she's going to go ahead and rest for the night, and Holt's like, okay, I'm going to go find us something to eat instead. He goes to the local diner, and he sees the owner of the inn that they're staying at, uh, and she's ordered some chicken, you know, country fried steak and eggs, and he makes a stupid joke about, oh, is it chicken or is it steak? <laughs> and then you look at the plate, and you're like, what the fuck is she actually eating? Because she's got the country fried steak there, then she has eggs. Hmm. Lovely eggs, country fried steak and eggs go so great together. You get a little bit of the white gravy, you put it on your eggs. Oh, god damn, my fucking mouth is watering right now. Ah, uh, and then what else does she have on that plate? Oh, oh, what would go great? What would go great with country fried steak and eggs? Um, maybe some hash browns or some like red country potatoes, or you can even take some like fingerling potatoes, and those would be. Oh my god, that would taste fucking delicious if you take fingerling potatoes and you put them on the side with it. Oh, oh, everything's so good. But, no. What does she have? Green beans. Who the fuck eats green beans with fucking country fried steak and eggs? What the hell is wrong with you? Green beans? Next you're gonna be telling me you're gonna put fucking corn on the top of that. God, I, I love green beans. But if I'm going to have green beans with my country fried steak, you know what I'm going to have? I'm still going to have fucking potatoes. It's going to be more of a dinner. It's not going to be fucking eggs. You, you, that's what you sub out. Either you have the vegetable or you have the eggs. You have the starch. You have the oily fucking country fried steak. And then you have something else. Either the starch or, or not the starch, but the vegetables or the eggs. You don't have fucking green beans on your plate and eggs. And then she mixes them. She grabs green beans and grabs eggs and eats them together. Who does that? I guess people that have been haunted by this ghost of a fucking little girl that got thrown down a well many, many years ago. Uh, But anyway, so while he's busy talking with her, Julia, she's come with the revelation that there's something to do with the church and there's something else there. So she goes over to the church and she finds that underneath the bell, because she sees a ring that circles around the bell in her imagination. Yeah, it's fucking dumb. But underneath it, she realizes that there's a hidden compartment and she goes down inside. She starts to explore the area that's down and we cut back over to the diner and we hear the lady talk more about the relationship that her daughter had to the other person in the picture that Julia was talking about. My niece and she knew each other through the church music program. But she was the most gifted. People used to kid her, you're too good for this place. We're going to wake up one day and you'll be gone and that'll be that. I guess there's certain jokes you shouldn't make because it happened. She disappeared. No clothes gone, no note. Just vanished. So we go back downstairs and we see that she's actually opened up the room that she saw in her vision at the beginning of the movie when she was marked. And it turns out that this was basically like a captive space for somebody down there. 
and she's able to look at the walls and she sees that there's a bunch of random crap up there as well as count like the days that have been counted on we also see clothing and everything kind of starts matching up to the story that the lady is telling about the girl that was basically up and disappeared and happened to be the friend of her daughter and there's a little more to the story that she has that actually finishes the whole thing and that's at the same time that julia comes to the revelation of what actually was going on here the police investigated for six months and then we stopped hearing from them town never felt quite the same after that the priest do you know what happened to him he still lives in town Although he isn't a priest anymore. Not since he went blind. I have to go. Uh, excuse me. This revelation triggers and Holt, and he knows exactly who the priest is. And with we cut over to Julia after she's realized what's gone down in the room over there and realized that the girl that they've been talking about, she was the one that was trapped downstairs and she happens to be Samara's mother and she was trapped underneath the church by the priest. Now we can start to kind of put two and two together, right? So whereas the first film talked about like the adoptive mother and everything that the adoptive mother did to stop the evil that was Samara, this is all about the priest basically banging some girl, creating Samara, and then hiding the fact that he had impregnated this girl underneath the church. And so uh, I guess we're led to believe that the priest was actually the evil one in this whole situation. And the fact that Samara was actually evil created because a priest decided that he wanted to get some and got some young girl pregnant and then kept her trapped underneath the goddamn church for at least the nine months for all the hash marks that they have on the wall. So Holt knows exactly what's going on and who the priest is, but Julia doesn't know yet. She goes back over to the blind man, who, if you haven't guessed, that actually is the priest, to talk more about Samara and what she's experiencing. But she comes to find out that he's not exactly who she believes him to be. I guess just like most people in the town, the event sort of took it out of him. I just don't see why it matters. There was a girl here 30 years ago who disappeared. I've seen her. Evelyn Borden. You knew her? Everyone knew Evelyn. She was kept under the church. I found a room. It was like a prison. There were days marked off on the walls. Nine months. She's Samara's mother. She suffered from the day she was born. And she's still suffering now. I think I understand it. This curse. This. It will never stop until she's free. What's that sound? Cicadas. So he starts kind of getting all weird on her and she's not exactly sure why. And then he explains to her that, hey, you know, it's not that seeing her that made me blind or Samara that made me blind. I actually blinded myself. And he takes off the glasses to reveal that he has no eyes where his eyes should be. I know what it's like to be guided by visions. 
be certain. <laughs> I was certain that I would father a child that was going to change the world. And I was right. You see, Julia, she didn't take my sight. I did. You're very brave. You're Samara's father. You kidnapped Evelyn. The night that I laid with her, I heard them. The cicadas. You moved her bones and she's still your prisoner. As are you. I still can't believe the way this guy delivers his fucking lines. It's really like breathy after every fucking take that needs to be done. As are you. Like, it's it's what people make fun of William Shatner for fucking doing all the time, and that's what he's doing. So he slams her down the table, and that's when she comes to that realization that, hey, that's her father, and that for some reason this unholy union between them, between him and Evelyn, was the reason why she's fucking evil. But he also says it's because of stuff that he's done to both of them. So, like, the hatred of maybe locking her down inside, brewed inside her belly, and then became Samara, the child. I don't fucking know. They never really fucking, like, go through this. So, she is actually able to get away from him, and then he begins attacking Julia. And he turns at the lights, and then this becomes, like, don't breathe or some shit like that. Because he can tell where she's at since he knows the house so well. And he explains to her that this isn't the first person that actually has tried to save Samara or do something with Samara's corpse. But she happens to be the one that's gotten the closest. You think that you're the first good Samaritan that she cried out to to free her? You're the twelfth, Julia. Though none of the others got this far. You think that you're so close to bringing her peace. But you have no idea the hell that you would unleash on the world. Julia. Samara can't hurt me. Because I can't see her. But you, Julia. I can hear your every... So if I'm to believe this right, the reason that Samara can't do anything is because he can't see her. Not because she can't see him, right? So she has to be able to use that crazy eye, and if she can't use the crazy eye, she can't do anything to him. I guess that's a good failsafe if, you know, you're going to want to be able to get away from everything and get away with whatever you did and make sure that she can't fucking kill you. So Julia runs up some stairs to try to get away from, you know, Mr. Blind Priest Man, where the fuck his name is, and he chases her up the stairs and she's able to actually... And one of the funnier things, she pushes him down the stairs. Well, he tries to go after her, and then he fucking falls down the stairs by himself. And it's really fucking ridiculously funny. Like, I don't know why it was done that way. I don't know why I laughed so hard. Probably because, um, you know, old man hurt himself. 
uh, and then she runs up into the attic and she's able to figure out exactly where Samara's body is hidden. As she starts to dig through, we see Holt arrive at the house and he breaks into the blind man's house trying to find out where she's at. While he's busy not able to finding her, he starts screaming out her name. She finds Samara's body, and guess who's still alive from his fall down the stairs? Why, yes, Mr. Blindman, who now grabs her and starts to taunt Samara, saying that, hey, your savior is (laughs) under my control. So while he's trying to choke out Julia and Holt's being completely useless by not coming up to save her in the amount of time, instead, Samara starts forming with all the cicadas on Julie's fucking smartphone, rising out of the smartphone. And he's still taunting her, and he doesn't realize what's going on, because, of course, he can't fucking see. And that's when Samara actually is able to come into our world and come after him. He looks over, and like Jesus, she gives him his sight back. So I guess she's evil fucking Jesus, because blind men can now fucking see. And he looks at her, she gives him the crazy eye once again, and then he dies by becoming the distorted monster that other people have uh, become in the film. Now, here, it's I still consider it an off-screen kill, because I would have rather had her, like, it come from the background. Like, as it zooms into her eye, and then you see him, it zooms into his as he slowly goes to the gray, weird twisted contorted like person that everybody comes that samara kills except for the people on the fucking plane at the beginning of the fucking movie but that's besides the point so he it's yes it's technically on screen but you don't see anything you just see his face start going like actually like come from behind her and like watch her like point at him and then watch him drop julia and like all of a sudden the body like contorts into pieces it doesn't have to be bloody it can just be entertaining and it's not fucking entertaining in this film so they grab the body and they take it off to the beach they decide that they're going to have a bonfire with her body and that's when they realize now that some Mara, she's free. What could that have felt like? To be feared by everyone who's supposed to love you. Not everyone. You were never afraid of her. No, you're fucked because we all know that there's like 15 minutes of this fucking movie left or something like that. And we know where everything's going to with this whole fucking movie. Okay? We know based upon The Ring and even to some extent The Ring 2. Now, in the beginning when I was first watching this, I was like, okay, well, didn't they, like, she get out into the real world in The Ring 2? But no, she actually didn't. At the end of it, uh, she was able, Naomi Watts' character was able to put her back into whatever realm that she's in that keeps her locked up or whatever the fuck it is. And that's how they end the movie because she possessed her son and she actually, because she wanted to have a mommy and that was going to be her mommy. That was also part of the point of the first one. You know, you have her, this girl that is constantly being, you know, she's evil, she's tortured, she has these powers and they don't realize how she's doing them and she gets adopted by this person. That person is like, I'm totally going to have to kill you because you're just plain fucking evil and there's nothing else that you can do and this whole thing's never going to stop. 
And now, like, the stories of that are somehow not in this world. The fact that we, we know that we need to make a copy, so that way if you see it, you survive, you give it to somebody else, and now it's their fucking problem. But we we don't know anything else. Like, there's nothing else that goes out there, but, like, don't do anything. Don't listen to what she says. Just do this. And this one, you know, it does kind of force the point because, hey... We could just keep making copies, but now that there's new stuff on it, we have to figure out what the new stuff is. And oh, this has to be something that is going to save everybody and totally end the curse. We know that's not going to fucking happen. But I do like a movie where the bad guy kind of wins. So, you know, the ending of this, uh, while it's stupid, uh, and you can see it coming from a mile fucking way, good job on the bad guy ending. So... They're back at home. They're all happy and everything. And Julia, she's taking a shower. And, you know, Colt or Holt is laying on the bed. And while she's in the bathroom, she starts coughing up, you know, hairballs like a cat. And starts remembering everything that everybody had said to her early in the film. Our souls are eternal. And when we die, the spirit strives to find a new home. I'm telling you. She's coming back, this time for real. You were never afraid of her. It's because you had a vision. Doesn't mean you know what that vision means. And I fucking called it. I will tell you back in my notes, I wrote down, is she trying to possess her? Like, way before we start getting into, when we started getting the second act of this movie... That was exactly, I knew where this thing was going to go, because she tried to possess Naomi Watts' son in the second one. And it succeeded for a while, but she was able to get out, like, or get her out of him, I should say. And that was the whole thing with this, that, like, I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, that's the goal, I guess. Uh, is that what's exactly going to happen? And this was around the time that she went into the grave. Because she, when she started, like, kind of coming out, I felt like she was trying to become a part of her. And then she's even saying things like, oh, I feel her inside of me, and she's a part of me. And I think that's what was happening with the sky, is that she's not going to necessarily do it to the men, even though she could become a man if she wanted to. But she's trying to find a female host, and with the sky, she was first experiencing this stuff but because she wasn't able to actually clear herself, instead, she's now become part of, you know, she's going after Julia. Because when we're here in the apartment, in Sky's apartment in the beginning of the film, she went up to the door and she tried to start opening it, but then stopped. And then now, at that point, is when she was marked. And she's the one that, you know, because she's too much of a goody shoe, two shoes to think anything different other than the fact that she's probably going to help this bitch that... <laughs> she's going to, you know, take over her body. And that lady is not even going to fucking know it. So it's fucking ridiculous that we're going through this again. So as she coughs up the last hairball and it starts turning to a cicada, she goes over to the mirror and she starts looking in the mirror. That's when all the stuff happens, right? All the last revelations of everything that's going on. We know that she's trying to take over her body. We get a little bit of video clips from the original film again after we hear the priest talk some more. Him talking about how, you know, that, again, he says that line again, just because you see it, you don't know what it means necessarily. And with this, it's the same thing for him. He's basically saying, like, you know, 
he made a mistake. He should have stopped the evil when he had a chance, and he didn't stop it. Because he thought that the child was going to be something grand for him, and it turns out it is a child that's going to change the world, but not in the way that he thought it was going to happen, because of whatever visions or thoughts that he got into his head by raping a fucking young girl and having a kid with her. I mean, does that really lead into the savior of our society? I don't fucking know, but not this film. It tells you, no, that does not happen. And then, you know, Holt, he realizes that he gets the message that, hey, that's Braille on her hand. He starts fucking translating it. And ultimately, before the movie closes, and you can't get it here, it says rebirth on it. Now, I said there was something that I was going to say earlier, besides the fucking I call it a point, which was the fact that the Japanese title of this film, this film actually got released in Japan, but it's called The Ring Rebirth. And that, other than other shit already ruining the story for you, would have ruined the whole thing, right? Like, you would have known, oh, okay, well, that's the ultimate goal, where you can kind of, like, guess it through if you haven't seen anything. But I don't know why they decided to have that, but that is exactly what's written on her hand in Braille, and why wouldn't the priest fucking tell her that's what's written on your hand? And that might have actually stopped her from going through with the rest of it and being like, you know what, I'm just going to accept my fate and fucking die instead of bringing Samara back into the world. But instead, we get the last frame of the scene or film before the credits start rolling, and she has transformed into Samara. The hell that you would unleash on the world. I'm sorry. It won't stop. So that is Rings, and honestly, like I said, to me, the second half is just a retreading of the first film. The first one, first half, that first 30 minutes, the first act is Rings, right? He, you have now a giant group that's going in, and I know I've probably said this multiple times, but it really fucking pisses me off. And 
it, you have this group that's trying to figure out what's going on with the whole situation and they're doing this whole thing and they're watching and making sure everybody gets a new person to go on after the end of seven days to prove that a soul is real. Whereas with rings, it's a little different because the girl, she just wanted to know what was going to happen to this poor kid now that he's been affected by it. It was interesting back then, and I really could have done more of like a rings-like flatliners type of thing, right? Get more into that. Maybe she's trying to help him out as he's going through his seven days. Not that this is the end of it, but that he's just started and he's like, look, I'm freaking out. You need to come help me. I did this. It would have been interesting. I think that would have been really cool. But then we get to the point where, or, you know, she sees it and it's something like that where like, okay, now that it's gotten out, people don't want to do it. How do we save her and get somebody else to watch the film without like doing anything wrong? You know, it, that would be so much more interesting. You know, I would thought this was going to be like, oh, it's going to be global. It's going everywhere and you, they've got to stop it. No, it's fucking the ring again after that point. It is literally, we're going to go find her body in the ring. We're going to bury it, or in this case, cremate it. And ultimately, we're going to release her upon the world, which is what they did in the ring. So everything is the fucking same with this movie. Like, they just tried to play it safe by, by creating a, you know... A story that people can connect to, but if you didn't necessarily see the first one, maybe you wouldn't know, and you'd be like, oh, this is really interesting, but how can you make a sequel to a franchise that is just rehashing parts of the other movies into one new movie? Why can't you do something different? Ringu went to some really fucking weird places to the point that she was basically trying to be rebirthed in one of the movies, I think in the fourth one, if I'm not mistaken. But here, it's like, yeah, that's exactly what's kind of trying to happen in this, but it's not the same. It's something weird. And the fact that you you can see everything coming, yeah, they're going about it a little differently, but how do you not know that the guy is the priest? How do you not know that what's going to happen at the end of this film, that it's ultimately not going to be a good thing? Why doesn't the priest fucking say anything? It just pisses me the fuck off that you take something that I really enjoyed before and you just shit all over it like by just being a cheap PG-13 cash grab so overall what do I give the film gore it's a one out of five there's nothing every kill happens off fucking scream for the most part and even when fucking johnny galecki dies and he gets fried i want to see his fucking head explode or some shit because you don't give me anything it's pg-13 give me one bloody fucking death but no he's just gonna fucking shake in his car we can't kill leonard from the big bang theory in that way Ugh, god and then you got Crap Factor, it is a 4 out of 5, because the acting is pretty terrible. Our leads are decent, but they're pretty, still pretty terrible. Uh, Johnny Galecki just feels like he didn't give a shit about it, and he's only in the first, like, 40 minutes of the movie, so he skipped out on an hour of everything altogether, so that's fine. Uh, but all the other auxiliary characters inside the fucking town are useless, and the priest guy is breathy motherfucker, like... I just don't fucking get it. Fun factor, uh, it's like a two out of five. I, I can't, I might even say it's a one out of five, 
But no, there are some fun little things in here. There are some decent scares in it. That It started off well, and the ideas that they were doing wasn't terrible, but it just devolves into utter trash. Like, again, <laughs> you, you can't just keep going over the same bullshit again. Like, you're, why not just make it a remake rather than a sequel to all the other films? Uh, and you change the rules halfway through the fucking movie by, oh, oh we're only gonna kill one person at a time, now we're gonna kill a ton of people. And somehow Johnny Galecki is going to be killed, uh, magically, even though he's already surpassed everything. Who the fuck killed him? Who the fuck knows? And who the fuck cares? So, overall, what do I give this? I give it one and a half, uh, hairball cicadas out of five. I think that maybe it would have gotten a two had, it had more, I don't know, more of the deaths actually, or even the final death of the movie makes sense, or not make sense, uh, that's a bad wording for it, look cool, okay? Instead of, uh, we're just gonna focus in and he's slowly gonna turn gray and that's gonna be it and that looks great. You don't wanna show these things to the PG-13 audience, but you could show his body, like, contorting. I've seen that in the fucking Conjuring movies just with the Crooked Man, man. Like, just do it. It, it, it doesn't have to look great, but it can be something that's scary, and there's no tension in this film. None whatsoever. In fact, a lot of it's just fucking boring. So there is not a whole lot of fun in this film to be had. The fun parts are some pieces of dialogue and some of the scares, but overall, it's just, is it worth your time should you watch it? If you love the Ring franchise... I would say stay away, to be honest. You don't have to watch this film after or before even listen to this podcast. I'm not giving that fucking disclaimer out for this episode. You don't really need to watch it at all. It's just kind of a pointless remake made for about $25 million, but managed to make $85 million. So will that give you another sequel? If it does, I hope they do a better job than what they've done here. So, with that said... We are going on a little trek of a little while of some 2017-2018 films. Because, hey, I want to do something a little modern and actually get back into some of the crappier horror stuff. And why not look at a film done by the director of Annabelle, which I have always subtitled uh, Bad Parenting the Movie, uh, with a nice little, uh, let's call it, wishing demon movie. Mama? Claire, you find anything? Seven wishes. My bad. I wish Darcy Chapman would just go rot. I can wish for anything. Money. Get in. What is happening right now? Love. Did that just happen? There have been others who've had the box. They and everyone they loved all died. When the music ends, the blood price is paid. It's a demon. What does it want? Your soul. I wish. I wish. 
control it. It's controlling you. I didn't know that any of this would happen. What's wrong with you? Yes, that's right. We're going to be looking at Wish Upon for 2017. Now, uh, I know what you might say. Hey, maybe it wasn't that bad, or I've never seen it before. But if you have Amazon Prime, it is available for, for free, so... Maybe check it out before you hear it on the podcast. I don't know, but it's a movie that in the theaters, while in the beginning and the first trailer, and I chose the third trailer here, uh, the first trailer I thought, oh, this is very interesting and it could be kind of cool to see. But as the trailers went along, I was like, uh, I'm just going to wait for it to come home. And I never got a chance to watch it. So I decided the same thing with Rings. I was like, hey, it's available on Amazon Prime. Maybe I should just watch it. So at least by the time or for the time that this recording is going on, it's available for you. You can watch. You can also rent it on iTunes. You can rent it on YouTube. Uh, and there's a couple other uh, markets that I believe you can rent it on so you can watch it. Uh, but right now, if you do have Amazon Prime, it's not going to cost you anything, you know, so go ahead and just, uh, give it a watch and then we'll all experience everything in the podcast together. So with that said, um, I do want to thank everybody for taking their time and listening to the episodes. You can always follow the podcast at T underscore T underscore podcast on Twitter. You can follow uh, us on Facebook, facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast. You can now find the podcast on Spotify. So if you prefer to be a Spotify listener, you can definitely load up your Spotify app and get into the terrible terror podcast. Uh, also check us out on, uh, or, you know, Instagram TV, trying to do a little reviews here and there, uh, that I don't want to do a full thing on. I did one for the lost world Jurassic or the Fallen Kingdom or whatever the fuck that dinosaur movie was. And then uh, there was another one that was put up there that I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, please make sure that uh, you check out past episodes if you're a new listener. And always give me suggestions. TerribleTerrorPodcast at gmail.com. I'll talk to you later. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.